Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This guy and his crew... They have become a part of my, like, night routine before baseball or before the gym. When I'm finishing up the thread at SNY, it's amazing. I leave the studios, I get on the train, and sure enough, I walk in the apartment. Who do I see? The host of Baseball Night in New York, the very talented Doug Williams joins us here on The Fan. Dougie, what's happening, brother? Happy holidays. How are you? JJ, thank you for the kind words. Uh, it's a mutual admiration society. I, I love your work. I love what you do on the thread at SNY. I love what you do on the radio. So it's uh, a pleasure is mine to, to appear on your program. Well, Doug, there's a lot to get to here. And listen, you're a guy that covers this baseball stuff on a daily basis. And we see all of these introductory pressers over the years. I mean, they kind of get lumped together in a way because we've seen so many I know maybe I'm being a little bit of a prisoner of the moment, but can you remember an opening press conference more impressive than what we saw from Garrett Cole? No, and I, I don't think you're getting ahead of yourself by suggesting that. I mean, that's kind of how we led our show tonight. It was, you know, was everyone else as impressed as I was by that? Because, you know, everybody wins the press conference. Most press conferences are won. But that felt like it was in a different category. Just he felt so prepared whether it was the Marvin Miller line or him bringing that sign he just he was so polished and I I think normally uh whether it's a manager or a GM who gets a job or most players who are acquired or signed you kind of have that takeaway well well it's just gonna we'll see how he performs in that role but with Cole I kind of I, I attach some meaning to it like the fact that he showed up that prepared to be a Yankee and clearly had been, you know, focused and prepared for that moment. I think that tells you something about a how he feels about the decision he's made, but b how much he might relish the spotlight down the line, which I know is important to every Yankee fan who's listening. Oh, you nailed it! You want to have a guy who you know is not going to be intimidated by a Yankee Red Sox game or a game in a month of September when you're trying to win a division or postseason games. Where let's be honest. That is where Garrett Cole is going to earn that contract, being able to deliver game one of the division series or hopefully at some point game one of the World Series. But, Doug, I get it. Money talks, right? He got $300-plus million. So if he ended up in L.A. or in Anaheim, he would have been singing a happy tune. But to hear him recite the Yankee history, to hear him talk about Andy Pettit and David Cohn and all of these games that he attended as a kid – I got the sense, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it went above and beyond just the money aspect. That had to be the case for one of the best pitchers in all baseball. 
But that idea of being a New York Yankee, I truly got the sense it mattered a great deal to Garrett Cole. Yeah, I totally agree, JJ. And also, if you listen to what Aaron Boone said, Boone said he was really shocked and and it took him back a little bit. Uh, he was taken aback by the, the, the fascination that Cole has with the game, with the analytical part of the game. And I think Cole showed up to that meeting and had the same reaction about the Yankee contingency that was there. I think he was really impressed by uh, their fascination with him, but also um, what they think they can do with his skill set. Like we all know whatever the Astros do on the pitching side seems to be working. Um, whatever they've done with Cole and Verlander the last couple of years, they've turned careers around that look like they were pointed in one direction, which was a good one and pointed them into a great one. Um, so Cole clearly wanted to go to a club where he didn't just plateau where he, he wants to get better. And clearly whatever Boone or Cashman or anybody said in that meeting, Pettit, the new pitching coach, whoever it was, whatever they were suggesting about the direction they see Cole going in, uh, he was all in. So, yeah, he, he was a Yankee fan growing up. And, yeah, they paid him $324 million, But I do think part of this was he thinks he can improve in a Yankee uniform listening to some of those voices that, that were up there uh, at that press conference today. I know it's a nine-year deal. I know it's $300 plus million. But, Doug, to me, this was an absolute no-brainer for the Yankees. They had a chance to get one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. I don't know how Garrett Cole's going to age six years down the line, seven years down the line, but if he delivers in the first five years of his contract, performs like the pitcher we saw in Houston the last two years, and the Yankees go out and win, I mean, that pays for the contract in and of itself. Totally. I mean, it was, it was a no-brainer. This was the guy that Cashman's been coveting, and if you're a Yankee fan, I feel like that, that makes you, if you're nervous at all that this is the guy that, that the Yankees should have attached themselves to, that this is the guy they should have given that big contract that the Yankee fans have been waiting for for so long, at least you can, it makes you feel better that Cashman, who I think his baseball instincts you trust for the most part, and that front office in general, you trust that they've coveted this guy uh, and, and watched him pitch for UCLA and then watched him pitch for the Pirates and then watched him pitch for the Astros. I think knowing that your team has wanted him for so long and now finally gets him. I mean, it's got to be a thrill because this is the, the ace stud number one that the Yankees have needed for so long. And, you know, we've, we've had small victories. You've had Tanaka, you know, inconsistent during the regular season, but he's great in the postseason. And you had Paxton with a big game this postseason. But to have that guy where when he goes out on the mound, and you and I were doing the shows after the games, JJ. It's like there's no chance that you're going to see Chad Green warming up in the in the third inning of a Garrett Cole game if he's not struggling. This is a guy you just give the ball to and sit down or relax in the dugout, and that's going to be a very, very refreshing feeling for Yankee fans in October in the next couple of years. Oh, you ain't kidding. I'm looking forward to being down in Baltimore, seeing it right out of the gate. We got the great Dougie Williams. Check him out, the host of Baseball Night in New York on SNY. And, Doug, from a Yankee standpoint now, you have Cole atop the rotation. You lose Didi Gregorius. Would you be concerned at all with the fact that this lineup is as right-handed as it is? I get it. A lot of the advanced stats and the analytics are going to say that the lefty hitters were prisoners of the shift. It's why the Yankees got away from the McCanns and the Beltrons and the Tashuras of the world. They face so many tough right-handed pitchers, Cole, Verlander, 
Go back to the Red Sox series. It was Porcello and Avaldi who gave him fits. And I just wonder if not having that lefty presence in the lineup, now especially losing Didi Gregorius, if that's something that could hurt the Yankees. So is that something you looking at the Yankees? Is that a concern going into the year? I, I, I'm still stuck on Greg Bird, man, because, you know, the Yankees obviously had to move on from him. Every spring training seemed like this was going to be the year that he turned it around. And that bat, if it had lived up to the potential, just would have fit so well in that lineup. Bunch of big righties. You slot him in. Um, and it never worked out. And look, yeah, I, I do have that concern, JJ. I think I, I, you go through a lineup, and if everyone's clicking, it doesn't matter what side of the plate they're hitting on, obviously. But, you know, you're losing DD. Hicks is going to be out until midseason, obviously him being a switch hitter. As crazy as it sounds, you're probably relying on Mike Talkman to provide some left-handed power. And look, he was stellar last season. I actually think he's a really talented player, and I don't think that was a fluke. And he's a great athlete. But I do think you want to add, you know, some diversity from the left side of the plate going into next year so that you're not one through nine, just so right-handed heavy, and you get a dominant right-handed starting pitcher who's tough from the right side, and you have some problems. So I'm curious to see. We've heard the name like Brandon Belt at first base from San Francisco Giants. I, I, Schwarber as well is a name the Yankees are always seem, seemingly connected to. I would like to see some sort of left-handed bat added to that lineup. Not like the Yankees are in des- desperate need of anything right now as a team, but that would probably be the main thing. All right, Doug, let's get to the Mets because right now it's been a pretty quiet offseason. You bring in Rick Porcello. You bring in Michael Walker. You say goodbye to Zach Wheeler. Do you look at those two guys and say, okay, the Mets now have a much more well-rounded rotation, no trade coming, or do you see six starters for five spots, and does the name Steven Matz or maybe the future Noah Syndergaard, could you see that, dare I say, coming into question? You know, it's funny. I uh, I think it was Salicata who made this, sh- this point on the show, but I, I agree with it that um, I like the Waka move when they made the Porcello move the day later, because it was like, if you were going to rely on Waka to be your fifth starter and you've only got five of them, then that's problematic. But when you added Porcello, that's more of an innings eater type. So suddenly you feel good about the six guys and that's not a surplus of starting pitching that that would just be depth. I think I, whenever I think about the Mets rotation and I'm curious to hear if you agree, I I get stuck on Syndergaard, and this feels like it's not the first time that we've been in an offseason thinking that about him. But if he shows up in spring training and if he goes through uh, the 2020 season as the stud starting pitcher that we've been led to believe he can be and, and the, the stud starting pitcher he was in the playoffs a couple years ago, that changes the entire dynamic of this team. you got uh, reigning back-to-back Cy Young Award winner Jacob deGrom You've got uh, a solid, at this stage of his career, starter in Steven Matz, whether he's in the bullpen or the starting rotation. you got Marcus Stroman. So if Syndergaard can be the 1B to DeGrom's 1A, that changes everything. He's been so inconsistent. That, to me, is the key because you could have two aces. Right now you have one and, and some solid starters, but Syndergaard needs to create a category of his own for that rotation to really step it up for me. Oh, you nailed it. I said it last year, too, and I kept waiting for Noah Syndergaard to be that guy. And, look, he had some dominant starts. I mean, that start against the Cincinnati Reds, he had the Little League game, right? He had the uh, home run to win it, and I think he threw a complete game shutout. There were moments of brilliance. 
There were also moments where he pitched against the Cubs. I remember the Dodgers start against Clayton Kershaw. Big games down the stretch where Doug, it was excuse after excuse after excuse. Oh, it's too hot in Kansas City. I don't have my catcher. It's this, it's that. He should look at the market right now and be salivating. If he can be the guy he was in 15 or 16, you and I both know, looking at a guy who's going to make $150 million with ease. Yeah, and you can argue whether this ends up uh, being a smart business decision by Brody, but I, I thought if you're in the Noah Syndergaard business, it's a very good thing that Brody has basically already said he's not trading him because – you know, you got. I I do feel for Syndergaard. I mean, he's been in trade talks now for you know over a year, and you not knowing where you're going to be at is just trying to put myself in his shoes. It's got to be uh, tough, and and having a being at a stage in your career too where you're still trying to figure out the pitcher you are, and you know he's been back and forth like just like Garrett Cole was back and forth between four seam, two seam. Am I a sinker baller who just throws really hard? Or am I a four seam guy who should be striking everybody out? He's still trying to like find himself. And you mentioned the excuses and yeah, those were there. And yeah, he's had some problems with the baseball too. You heard him mention that. And he's been through a couple pitching coaches and he, he didn't want to throw to Ramos. I'm hoping that what 2020 can bring is stability for him because that will at least allow the Mets front office and Met fans to really kind of grab hold of exactly who this pitcher is and stop talking about the potential. Maybe he is the inconsistent guy we've seen the last couple of years. Maybe he's the, you know, flamethrower guy from 2015, 16, you know, those years. We just have to get some stability to really figure that out, at least in my opinion. Doug, I think Betances' future is going to be fascinating because you're hearing the Mets and the Phillies, the two teams in on him at the moment. And, you think about the Phillies offseason. Zach Wheeler, Didi Gregorius, the guy I want managing the New York Mets is now in Philadelphia with Joe Girardi. And the Mets need help in that bullpen. I know they keep Lugo there, which is going to help. He was a stud last year. He was one of the best relievers in all of baseball. I can't look at Diaz and Familia and say with certainty, both of those guys are going to bounce back. I think that's a big get for the Mets. That to me would be my number one priority. I've probably said it 10 zillion different times. Would you be all in if you're the Mets on Batances? I, I could. I, I did not think that was a, a smart PR tactic by Brody to basically say that the, the Lugo and Gastelman being in the bullpen were an addition because that is just the same exact bullpen that basically ruined your season in 2019. So every Mets fan listening was like, I, I, what are you talking about? Like, you, you can't sell that as an addition. You got to sign somebody. So in that way, I totally agree with you. I mean, Dylan Batances, you know it from watching him with the Yankees, just so consistent. Like, you don't see relievers that aren't stud closers go to consecutive all-star games the way he did year to year to year to year. And he was just so dominant in spurts. And then, you know, he had his moments where he'd lose the plate entirely. I would say there are two knocks on Dylan Batances, or potentially even three. The first being that when he loses the, the plate, he totally loses it, which is a little bit similar to Jerry's Familia, but Batances obviously being the better pitcher. The other knock on him would be that he does have the tendency uh, to not really have his A-plus fastball until the midsummer months. And it was like that last year in spring training. He was throwing 89 miles an hour. Turned out he had an actual injury, and then he blew the Achilles, which leads me to number three. I mean, you're coming off uh, a season of two injuries. 
Um, it's a guy who's already been prone to some dead arm coming out of spring training. If you're the Mets and you're giving him a one-year contract, and let's say so are the Yankees, I'm not sure he's going to choose the Mets. But if you're Brody and you're like, okay, fine, we'll go to two years, that's where it starts to get risky because what if he's broken? You know, What if the Achilles is something he can't get over or his arm's not the same? We didn't see much of him last year. So do I think the Mets should do it? Yes, because there's not much left on the market other than like Will Harris or Daniel Hudson. But at the same time, um, there is a little bit of caution there considering his injury history. All right, Doug, final one. Yankees aside, who right now has made the moves in this offseason that have caught your eye? I mean, for me, just looking from afar for the second straight year, it's the Phillies by getting Girardi, by getting Wheeler, by bringing in Didi Gregorius. And look, I could have been more wrong about the Phillies last year. I thought they were going to win the division. I thought they were the best team. The manager ended up being a problem. The bullpen ended up being a problem. They didn't have arms aside from Aaron Nola. They could count on in the rotation. I like what they've done so far. They're the team that fascinates me, I guess I would say the most. Is it the Phillies for you or somebody else coming to mind? It's funny. I tend to agree with you. Um, I, I just think that, especially coming off of last year, and, and I, too, was wrong about them um, last year. So let's say that some of those issues they had last year, even without take the manager out of it entirely, that that roster will gel this year, uh, Bryce Harper in year two, et cetera. Plus you bring in Joe Girardi, plus you bring in Zach Wheeler, plus you bring in Didi Gregorius. It's going to be such a, a, a clutch clubhouse presence alone. Um, I, I really think that that team uh, has, has the, the potential to be, uh, winning the National League East next season. The other thing is the Braves have added a ton. Um, now, adding a ton on free agency, uh, in free agency, I should say, does not always uh, mean you're going to win the division, but the Braves should be viewed as the favorite, it seems like, every year because we overlooked them. Uh, but that young core of players is so impressive. I would also give a shout-out to the Cincinnati Reds because, um, you know, the Mets are a team that goes after it, and, and at least in the Brody era, um, does not necessarily worry about the future and is just trying to win now and whether that ends up being um, something that, that actually works or not. At least you got to give the Mets credit. And you got to say the same about the Reds. I mean, they're trying to win. They've got good young players, and they've added a really good rotation. And, you know, I think Cincinnati is a quote-unquote baseball town that a lot of years the team is so bad and you don't really get to experience that. And the central is going to be fascinating. I think the East is the best division, but the National League Central is fascinating because we the hot stove feels over, but the Cubs have Bryant and Schwarber and Baez and uh, all these guys that potentially they may deal, and you're wondering what that division is going to look like. If the Reds take a step forward, that could be like an exciting new wrinkle on a division that we've the last couple of years at least counted as the Cubs and everybody else. Doug Williams, the outstanding host over at SNY Baseball Night New York, nightly, Monday to Friday, 6 p.m. Dougie, enjoyed it, my friend. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Best to the family. And uh, I will see you around, my friend. Who knows? I think I'm JJ, back on yeah. Friday. I don't even know. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for having me on. I always like talking baseball with you. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. 
Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.